0: Chapter eight of the Tenant of Wildfell Hall by Anne Bronte. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain.
1: Six weeks had passed away. It was a splendid morning about the close of June. Most of the hay was cut, but the last week had been very unfavourable. And now that fine weather was come at last, being determined to make the most of it, I had gathered all hands together into the hayfield, and was working away myself in the midst of them in my shirt-sleeves with a light shady straw hat on my head, catching up armfuls of moist reeking grass, and shaking it out to the four winds of heaven, at the head of a goodly file of servants and hirelings, intending so to labour from morning till night, with as much zeal and assiduity as I could look for from any of them, as well to prosper the work by my own exertion as to animate the workers by my example when lo my resolutions were overthrown in a moment by the simple fact of my brothers running up to me and putting into my hand a small parcel just arrived from london which i had been for some time expecting i tore off the cover and disclosed an elegant and portable edition of marmion i guess i know who that's for said fergus who stood looking on while i complacently examined the volume that's for miss eliza now he pronounced this with a tone and look so prodigiously knowing that i was glad to contradict him you are wrong my lad said i and taking up my coat i deposited the book in one of its pockets and then put it on i heaved the coat now come here you idle dog and make yourself useful for once i continued pull off your coat and take my place in the field till i come back till you come back and where are you going pray no matter where The when is all that concerns you, and I shall be back by dinner at least. Oh, oh, and I'm to labour away till then, am I, and to keep all these fellows hard at it besides. Well, well, I'll submit, for once, in a way. Come, my lads, you must look sharp. I'm come to help you now, and woe be to that man, or woman either, that pauses for a moment amongst you, whether to stare about him, to scratch his head, or blow his nose. No pretext will serve, nothing but work 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 in the sweat of your face etc etc leaving him thus haranguing the people more to their amusement than edification i returned to the house and having made some alteration in my toilet hastened away to wildfell hall with the book in my pocket for it was destined for the shelves of mrs graham what then had she and you got on so well together as to come to the giving and receiving of presents not precisely old book this was my first experiment in that line and i was very anxious to see the result of it we had met several times since the bay excursion and i had found she was not averse to my company provided i confined my conversation to the discussion of abstract matters or topics of common interest the moment i touched upon the sentimental or the complimentary or made the slightest approach to tenderness in word or look i was not only punished by an immediate change in her manner at the time but doomed to find her more cold and distant if not entirely inaccessible when next i sought her company this circumstance did not greatly disconcert me however because i attributed it not so much to any dislike of my person as to some absolute resolution against a second marriage formed prior to the time of our acquaintance whether from excessive affection for her late husband or because she had had enough of him and the matrimonial state together at first indeed she had seemed to take a pleasure in mortifying my vanity and crushing my presumption relentlessly nipping off bud by bud as they ventured to appear and then i confess i was deeply wounded though at the same time stimulated to seek revenge but latterly finding beyond a doubt that i was not that empty-headed coxcomb she had first supposed me she had repulsed my modest advances in quite a different spirit It was a kind of serious, almost sorrowful displeasure, which I soon learnt carefully to avoid awakening. Let me first establish my position as a friend, thought I, the patron and playfellow of her son, the sober, solid, plain-dealing friend of herself, and then, when I have made myself fairly necessary to her comfort and enjoyment in life, as I believe I can, we'll see what next may be effected. So we talked about painting, poetry and music, theology, geology and philosophy. Once or twice I lent her a book, and once she lent me one in return. I met her in her walks as often as I could. I came to her house as often as I dared. My first pretext for invading the sanctum was to bring Arthur a little waddling puppy, of which Sancture was the father, and which delighted the child beyond expression, and consequently could not fail to please his mamma. My second was to bring him a book which knowing his mother's particularity i had carefully selected and which i submitted for her approbation before presenting it to him then i brought her some plants for her garden in my sister's name having previously persuaded rose to send them each of these times i inquired after the picture she was painting from the sketch taken on the cliff and was admitted into the studio and asked my opinion or advice respecting its progress my last visit had been to return the book she had lent me, and then it was that, in casually discussing the poetry of Sir Walter Scott, she had expressed a wish to see Marmion, and how conceived the presumptuous idea of making her a present of it, and on my return home instantly sent for the smart little volume I had this morning received, but an apology for invading the hermitage was still necessary, so I had furnished myself with a blue morocco collar for Arthur's little dog, and that being given and received with much more joy and gratitude on the part of the receiver than the worth of the gift or the selfish motive of the giver deserved i venture to ask mrs graham for one more look at the picture if it was still there
0: oh yes come in
1: said she for i had met them in the garden
0: it is finished and framed all ready for sending away but give me your last opinion and if you can suggest any further improvement it shall be duly considered at least
1: The picture was strikingly beautiful. It was the very scene itself, transferred as if by magic to the canvas. But I expressed my approbation in guarded terms, and few words, for fear of displeasing her. She, however, attentively watched my looks, and her artist's pride was gratified, no doubt, to read my heartful admiration in my eyes. But while I gazed, I thought upon the book, and wondered how it was to be presented. My heart failed me but I determined not to be such a fool as to come away without having made the attempt. It was useless waiting for an opportunity, and useless trying to concoct a speech for the occasion. The more plainly and naturally the thing was done, the better, I thought. So I just looked out of the window, screw up my courage, and then pulled out the book, turned round, and put it into her hand, with this short explanation. You were wishing to see Marmion, Mrs. Graham, and here it is, if you will be so kind as to take it. A momentary blush suffused her face, perhaps a blush of sympathetic shame, such an awkward style of presentation. She gravely examined the volume on both sides, then silently turned over the leaves, knitting her brows the while, in serious cogitation, then closed the book, and turning from it to me, quietly asked the price of it. I felt the hot blood rush to my face.
0: "'I'm sorry to offend you, Mr. Markham,' said she, "'but unless I pay for the book,' I cannot take it.'
1: And she laid it on the table. "'Why cannot you?'
0: "'Because.'
1: She paused, and looked at the carpet. "'Why cannot you?' I repeated, with a degree of irascibility that roused her to lift her eyes and look me steadily in the face.
0: "'Because I don't like to put myself under obligations that I can never repay. I am obliged to you already for your kindness to my son, but his grateful affection and your own good feelings must reward you for that.'
1: "'Nonsense!' ejaculated i she turned her eyes on me again with a look of quiet grave surprise that had the effect of a rebuke whether intended for such or not then you won't take the book i asked more mildly than i had yet spoken
0: i will gladly take it if you will let me pay for it
1: i told her the exact price and the cost of the carriage besides in as calm a tone as i could command for in fact i was ready to weep with disappointment and vexation she produced her purse, and coolly counted out the money, but hesitated to put it into my hand. Attentively regarding me, in a tone of soothing softness, she observed,
0: "'You think yourself insulted, Mr. Markham. I wish I could make you understand that—that that I—'
1: "'I do understand you perfectly,' I said. "'You think that if you were to accept that trifle from me now, I shall presume upon it hereafter. But you are mistaken. If you will only oblige me by taking it, believe me, i shall build no hopes upon it and consider this no precedent for future favours and it is nonsense to talk about putting yourself under obligations to me when you must know that in such a case the obligation is entirely on my side the favour on yours
0: well then i'll take you at your word
1: she answered with a most angelic smile returning the odious money to her purse
0: but remember-i
1: will remember what i have said but do not you punish my presumption by withdrawing your friendship entirely from me or expect me to atone for it by being more distant than before said i extending my hand to take leave for i was too much excited to remain
0: well then let us be as we were
1: replied she frankly placing her hand in mine and while i held it there i had much difficulty to refrain from pressing it to my lips but that would be suicidal madness i had been bold enough already this premature offering had well-nigh given the death-blow to my hopes. It was with an agitated burning heart and brain that I hurried homewards, regardless of that scorching noonday sun, forgetful of everything but her I had just left, regretting nothing but her impenetrability and my own precipitancy and want of tact, fearing nothing but her hateful resolution and my inability to overcome it, hoping nothing but halt. I will not bore you with my conflicting hopes and fears, my serious cogitations and resolves.
0: End of chapter eight.